when we start to look at rather than just trying to de-stress the whole time, but start to look at tactically adding in these small bouts of small stress, we can actually become a lot more uh, resilient, a lot more on top of what that day has to offer. And I think that's a really, really important space to look at. You're listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm Steve Gordon. For the first five years, this podcast was known as the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. The episode you're about to hear uses that name, but don't worry, you're in the right place. Same great content, new name. Enjoy. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. Today we have, I think, what may end up being one of the most important interviews that we've ever done on the podcast. Um, Because yes, we're talking about business, but we're going to get deep into the most important asset in your business, and that's you. And so I think this is going to I think be very valuable for a lot of people listening. Uh, I know it will be for me. And uh, I'm talking today with Ollie Wood. He is the owner and head coach at the Meta Project, and he's focused on elevating your energy, body, and mind. He's coached thousands of clients with a world-class coaching team uh, that includes clinical nutritionists, mindset coaches, exercise professionals, and and all with the goal to elevate your entire approach to mental and physical health. Um, And again, I think this is foundational for anyone who is trying to build a business. So I'm excited today to talk to Ollie Wood all the way from Australia. Welcome, Ollie. Great to see you. Thanks so much, Steve. Great to be on. So uh, I gave everybody just a little bit of bio um, about you. Give us kind of uh, a sense for how you got to the point where you're really focused on wellness for entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for me, being in the space for at least the last decade, there was three different uh, components that I think I've gone through and obsessions of focus. Uh, the first one was very much around exercise, right? Mastering movement, making sure that if we're going to spend a little bit of time in a gym or we're going to go for a run or whatever that looks like, we're going to make the most of our time. Uh, after about two or three years, I realized that that was completely useless <laughs> with the amount of stress, inflammation, uh, all of the rest coming through the door with these business owners, CEOs, executives that uh, were running really big companies uh, and had come to me because they knew that they could delegate things at work, but now they, and they, now they were trying to delegate their health and they didn't want to think about it, right? But there were so many skill sets that were missing that pushing the body harder in the gym was causing heart attacks, not results, right? So taking the time to just make those small changes, not on my watch, but like there was no results coming from that. Um, so moving into that space, we really dived a lot more into gut health and understanding a, a core foundation of nutrition, but how that tied into not just creating another Uh, calorie counter, but ultimately, how does that food impact how you fuel your day, how you function, how you feel, uh, and obviously that productivity that comes with that. Because I think a lot of people are so busy and so used to doing 10, 12-hour days that they're running on 50% most of the time. And if we actually get you feeling, you know, getting that energy, getting that focus back, we can actually start to get it done in six to eight hours again by just knowing how to uh, time block our day a little bit better, but definitely how we're fueling our day has a huge part of that. So that lasted for four or five years and really understanding a, a big foundation of building the body back, making sure you're actually working with a machine that is on your site. I think a lot of people are uh, viewing their car as the Ferrari and they're putting vegetable oil in it. It just doesn't make sense, right? So looking at food like an afterthought, looking at it as something that will just kind of get through the day rather than front loading those buckets, I think is uh, a mistake. So really what we dived into next is, okay, people know this stuff. They realize that they need to look after themselves. They've heard that somewhere before, but they're not doing it, right? So a lot of it's kind of, we need to be reminded more than we need to be taught. And I think the biggest mindset that we have 
uncovered a lot inside of that, especially the business owner space, is we tend to have, and I'm certainly included, uh, an all or nothing attitude towards business, right? And that definitely works to a degree where what we put in is what we get out. Uh, and I think that when we apply that to the health space really hurts us because when we realize that we can't do the perfect diet or the perfect workout because it really doesn't exist, it's going to be dependent on the situation. And what diet works for you now is not going to work for the next person and it's not even going to work for you six months from now, right? It's going to be fluid. So I think trying to look at that through the lens of how can we just build up a new baseline? What are our non-negotiables that we're really building for the day? So we're really bringing in this 80-20 approach and seeing what's going to move the lever forward the most. So tying in effective movement, tying in, understanding the gut and fueling the day. And then the important part, which is, you know what to do now, but how are we going to do it more consistently so that we just build those small steps into your day rather than looking for the perfect workout? And I think those three elements together is what's created what we use now um, to really help a lot of clients. And I think it's just coming from the space of taking the really scientific stuff, applying that to real world, and then how does that actually fit into your day personally? Yeah. And I'll tell you, as somebody who's pursued this topic for really the last five or six years, it's a confusing topic yeah. uh, as, as a non-expert, right? So um, I, I started on a journey to get, you know, I, I started before I turned 45, I'm 51 now, to get in better shape by 45 than I was at 25. Yep. And that was not that difficult to do because I wasn't in great shape at 25. And then I said, all right, well, I want to go back by 50. I want to be in better shape than when I was 20. And that launched a series of changes, but it wasn't easy to figure out. So you mentioned some things. You mentioned exercise, right? Yep. You mentioned, and, and that's where I started because it was the easiest thing to do. I was an athlete yep. when I was younger. Made sense. I'll go to the gym. I know how to do that. You, you talked about the gut. Um, that was something that it took me probably two or three years into this journey to begin to even become aware of, you know, we hear yeah. things about sleep being the essential ingredient. We hear that, you know, I, should I be doing keto or should I, you know, go plant-based or there's like a myriad of different diets. Everybody's got an opinion. I'm hoping yeah. that you're going to distill this down in the next 25 to 30 minutes and give us the perfect answer. Um, so you got a tall task ahead of you, but, uh, so, so where does somebody begin with this? Like when you're working with a client, where, where should they start? Yeah, totally. That's a really, really good question. And breaking this down is, is an important topic because I think, as you said, it's, uh, everyone's trying to push the one best thing. And when we look at the human biology and how things are functioning, it's always an integration of so many things. So a lot of that becomes in what order should we look at this? And I think an important clarification before we dive in is the information could be right, but is it relevant? And what, what works for Steve when he was 20 versus what it works for him when he's 55 may be drastically different also, right? There's going to be some pretty big shifts in potentially the nutritional requirements there uh, to, to start and then really building into recovery from that. So I think the biggest one is there. there's so many components that are important, but what in what order and what part of that journey are you in? right? Because a lot of members that we tend to work with start in the space, as you said, of, okay, I want to lose some weight. I'm going to dive straight into more exercise and then I'm going to drop food. So one, I'm exercising more with no energy and I'm running on fumes because I haven't rebuilt really a foundation of like the body recovering first because food's still an afterthought. I'm still an afterthought. I'm still thinking about doing it to me rather than for me. And there becomes a whole integration of 
uh, or a sort of degrading of that energy base, that motivation, that sort of have to motivation, right? And I think when we're relying on discipline all the time, uh, it will eventually run out and we're just starting to beat ourselves up as why it won't happen more often. We associate it with a negative thing that we're not doing very well at. So we're going to go back to the things that we are good at, business, right? And we just kind of get further and further away from it. So I think starting with that, that uh, for us personally inside our program, to give you a little roadmap, is we don't talk about exercise until week three or four because we want a couple of weeks of what does that day look like? Where are you fitting you into your day? Because at the moment it looks like emails at uh, you know 6 a.m. as soon as we wake up and it's still happening at 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m. So I think just a time blocking of like intentional movement, intentional time to, to reflect on what that looks like. And I think a big part of that just comes back to, hey, Bill Gates has got the same amount of hours in the day. So it's not about finding a 25th hour. It's just being very intentional with what's on your plate. So I think that's a, a productivity business conversation from the start. And then we're going to tie into, okay, where are we actually fitting in movement? Where are we fitting in front-loading your energy for the day? If uh, you know you said you've got a whole bunch of interviews and, and calls today, what are we intentionally doing at 6, 7 a.m. in the morning to make sure we're set up for that day, right? Because a lot of us, will, will we've had a really big day the day before. We uh, watch TV or do something to wind down. We wake up sluggish. And then we need the coffee and then we dive back into the next day. And we just steal from today, uh, steal from tomorrow for today's energy. And that spiral just continues to, to move down because we're constantly tired. We're constantly trying to find pick-me-ups and we're always playing on the back foot. So I think taking that time to build in uh, just those small habits, those non-negotiables, as you mentioned before, if everything else goes to shit, what are those two or three things today that if I nail these, I know I feel better for it, right? And I think that just becomes a way to get away from the all or nothing mindset, but also make sure that... I know what I feel good on and I'm not going to miss twice. If I miss it today, I'm doing it tomorrow. I'm not waiting till next Monday. And when I make those small tweaks, I know that I'm just protecting those non-negotiables more often. Yeah. And so you you really, it sounds like you're, you're first bringing it back to how do we allocate time to these things that at the end of the day are going to give you more energy to, to be more productive. Totally. So I know I'm still very vague there, but I wanted to go through the strategy, I guess, top, top sure. level first, which I think is beneficial. But we all know that we need to get moving in. We all know that we need to eat more greens or eat better. And, uh, you know, our our liquids that we choose are probably going to have a pretty big impact on how we feel as well, right? So are we hydrating and how much alcohol we're coming in there as well? I think those are three components that need to be addressed. So from a movement standpoint, I think the biggest thing we need to touch on is two components that we really address straight up, which is... Get in, if, if you tell me you've got no time for ex exercise, immediately I know you're trying to find an hour and a half. Of course you can't find an hour and a half. It's like trying to find the extra 50 grand in your bank account. You're not going to find that unless you've intentionally put that aside. So taking the time to find 10 minutes, right? And we just start with a 10-minute walk because 99% of that is just getting that foot out the door. Once you've done the 10 minutes, you're starting to feel better. You can choose whether you want to come home or whether you want to go further, but it's just that ability to get out the door. And if we can find that 10 minutes, great start. The second part to that, that as we dive deeper into the program, especially with people that have been through diets before, have felt like their body's resisting change and it's not dropping body fat like it once was, or just from the amount of effort you're putting in, you feel like there's no longer results there. I think addressing the level of muscle contraction there is important. And this is obviously coming back to my first phase of obsession, uh, because what happens with something like running 
is we were able to drop body fat over the first two or three months because it's new, it's novel, we're increasing our fitness, our distance, all of that stuff. But in, unless we continue to increase our speed, our intensity, our, our distance that we're traveling, we're ultimately not going to continue dropping body fat because it's no longer a new stimulus. So what our body moves into is we just get better and better at doing that skill, which is great if we want to be a runner, not so great if we want to drop body fat because our body just gets more efficient at contracting muscles to get better at running. So where I'm going with this is if we start to address some version of weight training and a lot of people start to think that as they get older, they should do less of those activities. It's very much the opposite. They should do more of those activities because what we're doing now is really leading into effective muscle contraction to make the most of the 20 minutes, the 10 minutes you have in your day, rather than needing to find an hour and a half in the first place. All right. And when we can start with that space, I think it's a really important way to know that if I'm going to get 20 minutes in, that I'm getting to get a return on that sweat equity and I can actually fit 20 minutes into my day somewhere. All right. Because if we get away from the five minutes or the, the, the 20 minutes that we're spending exercises and, and actually look at the impact that has over the next 24, 48 hours, I think that's where we're really seeing the big result in body fat or sustainable fat loss long-term is looking at how that's increasing our metabolic rate, increasing how we function on a day-to-day basis. All right. Um, so that's the exercise component. That's how we would address that directly. From the nutritional aspect, everybody's focusing on suppressing or decreasing the amount of food that they eat. I'd say about 40% of men, probably 60, 70% of females are under eating and chronically under eating for a long period of time, which means we're just suppressing how much food our body burns at rest, which means that we're eating basic rabbit food and we're still putting body fat on. It, it gets really confusing. Right. So we need to get away from this initial calories in, calories out equation to start with and actually look at front-loading our body as being healthy first, which is where this gut health space comes in. So looking at the foods we eat and rather than adding in the acid reflux because you've got, uh, you're uncomfortable after eating a certain meal, we need to look at what's actually causing that. What is the root cause of that? Two of those things that usually come in, the one's really simple, but none of us do it. We've all perfected uh, inhaling food and maybe flushing it down with water rather than actually just chewing food. Uh, we've got teeth nowhere else, right? So taking the time to actually just chew. Uh, it sounds silly, but it makes a huge difference. And how many clients we've got off acid reflux medication in two weeks of working with us alongside other things, that can be one of those key steps that we really work on. And um, the second part, as I said, in finding the root cause is if you notice that you bloat on adding milk to your coffee or you have pasta for dinner and you feel sluggish, address that, right? And really taking the time to write a couple of things down, find those foods that maybe we need to replace and just starting with a basic awareness of things like dairy gluten being our most common inflammatory foods might be a really, really good place to start. And we can dive in and get really complicated, but starting with that true foundation of the reason your gut is uh, probably not working the way it should, it's not absorbing food, is because you're damaging it with this constant inflammatory uh, food that can you continue to eat every lunchtime that's causing that gut lining to break down more and more. If you continue to do that over a period of time, you're going to notice that that, that inflammation becomes a lot more chronic. Your energy is lower. You're always wanting the afternoon nap. You're feeling tired. You're not recovering well. It may even affect your breathing if you're noticing that uh, those foods you're eating without sort of thinking about it. So we're not even looking at the quantity of food overall. If anything, we'd be looking at if we're getting in you know, we talk about counting colors, not calories, taking time to just get that nutrient base in. Because if nothing else, your body regulates how much food you need to eat on a day really, really well. The problem is most of us are eating highly processed food that are highly caloric dense, but they're really nutritionally uh, low, right? So taking that time to switch that on its head and look at nutritionally uh, dense foods and calorically low foods, um, automatically you'll have a, a much lower trigger to those cravings and those overeating tendencies anyway. So starting there, I think is really, really important. Okay. So 
where did you sort of zero in on the gut being kind of the key to unlocking energy and health and all that, and that being the problem? Yeah, and this is where the integration is really helpful. So really good question. I think that there's two components here that uh, I spend a lot of time on and it tied into business owners and, and busy professionals really, really well. And I think it's a combination between if, if people have dived into gut health before, they may be familiar with something called the vagus nerve. And that's your direct connection between your gut and brain. And that's going to have a huge impact on how you feel, what cravings you have, all of these things. If you tie that in with also your HBA access, which is tying in a bit more of a hormonal component to also the digestive aspect, we're now looking at through the two lenses of what I eat impacts my mood, how I feel, how I function on a day-to-day basis, but also how much I'm stressed impacts what I crave, all right? And it works both ways. It's not just one or the other. And I think uh, a joke we use all the time is, you know, we're 85% bacteria, so it only leaves 15% human. What's what's working who, you know? And taking the time to look at if you're constantly feeding your gut a lot of sugars and refined foods, you're building uh, or growing a lot of that bad bacteria and your body's going to crave more often. You're going to have more dips and dives. Your mood's going to be all over the show and good luck trying to get that work done and, and keep focused, right? So it certainly works that way. But if we're noticing that we're someone that's highly triggered, we notice that there's a lack of resilience to stress in the day, that's also going to have a huge impact to the gut the other way, right? If you're noticing you're stressed all day, all of that blood's pulled towards, or 80% of that blood's pulled towards the muscle. And key, the key point here is away from the digestive tract, right? So we've just suppressed our immune system. We've just suppressed our digestive capacities. So even if we are eating a good meal, but we're eating it on the run, we're in the middle of work meetings, we're not actually absorbing the nutrients from the food we're eating, all right? It's not what we eat, it's what we absorb. And taking the time to look at that stress component, which we know is a big part in the business space, and just creating those intentional blocks to actually focus on one thing at a time, whether that is getting that big project done or whether it's simply eating i think taking the time to look at that makes uh you know you get more out of both so interesting to me how all of this is interconnected you know most people are going to fail with their health as a result of misallocating time yeah right i mean i know that's where I, i i'm pretty good at this and i fail regularly daily probably because of time and, you know, my, my big weakness right now is, is in meal prep and prepping the things that I, I know I need because it takes time. I mean, it's so much, it is so much easier and more tempting just to, you know, grab, you know, whatever's at the, the local drive through, right? Because I don't have to think about it. So, totally. and this comes back to that first point, right? Where I think it's really, really important to look at this through the lens of what is sustainable long term. And if we highlight that, we realize that our body is the Ferrari, not the Prius, because it is the biggest asset in our business. We might change how we focus on it. And there's certain things that we delegate at work because we know that it's really important. Things like tax, things like operations, whatever it might be, things that you need to get off your plate in order, order to focus on the big tasks, the big rocks in your day. So why are we not doing that at home? I think that delegation of just getting things off your plate is really, really helpful. And what's taking up that time? Because if we can spend Uh, you know, $20 an hour for someone to do a task when we focus on the $100, $200 hour task, that's going to have a pretty big impact. So why aren't we looking at with our food prep, with our our gardening, our cleaning, whatever that might be around the house to just get some of that stuff off our plate? Uh, An easy way that we find uh, we can work with a lot of clients around is there's sort of three options that we tend to look at. And you, by all means, try these out. The first one would be there's the meal prep companies are, are becoming bigger and bigger. And I think when you're away on holiday, it's just one of those crazy weeks they can be something that's just a super no-brainer and you have something in the fridge. Personally, long-term, over a week or two, you're going to get pretty bored of those meals, but it does allow you to, to lean back on something knowing it's in your fridge. 
The second one uh, we have over here, like in my food bag and uh, HelloFresh and all of those sort of, uh, it, it comes with all the fresh ingredients. You've got the list and you need to, uh, you know, you still need to cook it up, but all the thinking's taken out of it. And that becomes quite a nice way for a lot of clients to get rid of the thinking aspect, but still have a nice wind down at the end of the day before having the meal. And I think there's an important part of that sort of preparation aspect for your body to digest foods as well. So I think there's definitely a benefit there too. Um, but if you're really in that space where you're working 60, 80, 100 hours a week, um, 100 is probably a bit far. We probably want to bring that back down. Um, but taking the time to look at, hey, even bringing a chef once a week, and that sounds super fancy, but if you're paying them, say, $35, $40 an hour, you, they take two or three hours to cook you know, 10 lunches. How much time did you just gain? Probably like 10 hours because it takes us it takes us much longer. So being able to lock that in, uh, I do that regularly. I bring the, I bring a chef in every uh, once every second week. And uh, lunches for that entire week for me and my partner are completely cooked, right? All thought taken. So I think if we create that same problem-solving space around food, uh, it no longer becomes the nutrition that's the hard part. It simply becomes our behaviors or our intentions around fitting us back into our day. Yeah, such a smart approach. And, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you going, yeah, I should have thought of that a a while ago. That's kind of obvious, but, you know, I think for a lot of people, the hangup is, well, oh, that's just preparing my own food. It seems odd to hire somebody, but it's such an easy thing to do these days. And yeah. uh, the biggest thing that you're looking at is, well, one, you want to address like the reason you find that is a low task is you don't value yourself feeling good in your day. And I think the problem is, is most people are so used to feeling a five out of 10 that they've forgotten what 10 out of 10 really feels like and how much more they can actually get out of their day, how much more they can get done, all of that stuff that comes from simply fueling your day better. So I think that that comes from probably experience of seeing the difference between the two, but then just being able to you know understand that you've only got a certain amount of hours in the day that you can really get stuff done. And if you've only got that 5% to work with that you can get in a walk or uh, just the time for you slowing down, maybe that work project, whatever. If you can buy back one of, one of those hours, uh, even if it's not meal prep, what's that worth to you in your day? And then go from there. Yeah, I, that, I think that's so smart. So so what's next? What do you look at as you're going through this? You've, you've talked about movement. You've talked about nutrition and gut health a little bit. What, where do you go next with a client? Yeah. So the big part here is, as you said, uh, you know what to do, but even you're not perfect. I'm not perfect, right? Like we get stuff come up in our day. And I think the important part there is understanding how do we make sure that we maintain this long term. Uh, and I think the John Barati, who's uh, really big in this space and the nutrition, uh, he's done a lot of nutrition certification stuff. He's been in the space for probably two decades now, if not longer. And he started a presentation uh, a little while ago that started with a simple line saying, we're in the failure business. And uh, I've been obsessing with that phrase for about six months now, where as we mentioned at the start of today's call, which is uh, this all or nothing approach really isn't serving you when it comes to health, because when it's not 100%, we tend to pack in the towel and it's 0% more often, right? And I think taking the time to just build that baseline up and rather than focusing on the ceiling, the perfect day, just focus on building up the floor. What's the minimum? What's the, what's the non-negotiable that I can do more often? And what we start to build is those non-negotiables. We In our community, we talk about this through a circle because everyone keeps um, falling on and off this wagon. And I think that seems to be pretty dangerous. So let's stop falling off that thing and start to work with a circle and start to realize that this is something that is the rent is due daily, right? It is something that we don't do health once and now it's sorted. Um, Although I do have some thoughts about uh, passive uh, health long-term, taking the time to look at this health circle and understand what parts of that are really important to both your mental and physical health. And I think it's it's really important to look at those 
into like together because if you're nailing your nutrition and training but you're not looking at joy you're not not looking at connection you're not looking at recovery everything's going to fall to shit anyway right so looking at that circle taking the time to consider what are the things that really need to make you feel good is there a uh, an hour blocked out for reading is there some time for some reflection and journaling at the end of the day is there that lunchtime walk and just feeling 10 minutes of sun on your face what parts of those actually feel good and start protecting them rather than letting the, the next work meeting push over them. And if you just win those more often, I think confidence really comes from a place of following through on the small promises you made to yourself that nobody else knows about. And I think when we get really good at pushing the little ones, we have very little confidence for the big ones that come up too. So for me personally, the people that are most uh, resilient are the ones that are actually nice to themselves internally. And that sounds like it's getting really deep into the mindset space and it kind of is but it's looking at i think that there's a phrase that i've I've really enjoyed using which is the most resilient people the ones that are most self-compassionate right like how are you talking to yourself when you slip up on something because if you're if it's not how you talk to a close friend something needs to change because you're just beating yourself up and when we look at that through the space of i'm doing this for me not to me the whole health space shifts in how you look at it what that lens is that you actually view what's important and coming back to your circle, what are those non-negotiables? So that's really that behavioral lens of tying in those other two to what's actually important for you. And then making sure it is actually meaningful for you. Because if I tell you, this is the perfect plan, this is the shoulds you should be doing, it doesn't make any sense if it doesn't actually become meaningful. It doesn't become something that I know I feel better when I do this thing. And I think as business owners, as CEOs, we're so used to being able to do this, like, do things regardless of how we feel. And I think that gets in the way, right? We, we start to block out emotion. We start to block out feelings. And for me personally, I've certainly noticed what that feels like when you just become numb to the outside world and bringing back a level of like, I actually feel good and I'm going to try to do this more often. Whether that, that be a certain meal that you come back to, whether that be protecting that morning walk or session, I think that's a, a huge way to just create your own ankles, anchors and start to become a lot more effective leader too. Yeah, well, and I, I love the approach to sort of start with the the minimum non-negotiable. Yep. And then how many times can we, you know, win at that and then yep. build from there? And I think that's very different than what most people do. I mean, most people say, gotta go to the gym for, you know, an hour, three days a week or five days a week. And and then it, you know, something gets in the way and and because it's it's too big of a chunk at first. Yeah. Um, I know when we we did a, a fairly radical change to to our eating, uh, my wife and I a number of years ago, and the, the first part of that was excruciatingly difficult because we mm. changed everything at once instead of little by little. And thankfully, we we did it together. And yep. she cooks all the food. I can't cook, so it, it helped that I was just having to eat whatever she made, you know. But yeah, I, I like this idea of kind of building into it. I know from the clients that we work with, I know from all the entrepreneurs I know that the vast majority are ignoring their health. And that's one of the reasons I really wanted to, to have you come on and, and share this. Um, and, and I know there's a ton more we could go into. Um, it, you know, what, what would be best maybe from here? Is there, are, are there other areas we, sh- we should go into so that people see that? Would it be maybe more useful to, to share some stories of clients who have had some, some real good success with, with your process? 
Yeah, I think the one thing that would be really worth addressing that would be valuable for your audience would be hopefully just understanding stress because most people, when I as soon as I say stress, like, yeah, I know that's important. <laughs> and it's something that from a health standpoint, we realize that it's always going to be there. And we've certainly noticed that both stress and toxicity are two things that are very present in our world, especially through the States and Canada. Um, things like glyphosate are even in the soils of organic things now. <laughs> um, so really starting to understand how to not remove stress entirely, but start to just be able to manage and modulate things better. And I think the big thing that people are, a lot of people are doing is they focus so much on the uh, mindfulness components potentially, and they don't look at reducing stress first. Or potentially they just remove, they don't even look at the, the, the thing in the, in the first place. But a really, really important point that I think is beneficial from a business owner standpoint is by introducing things like 10 minutes of exercise, things like your resistance training, things like a cold shower. People were like, why do we do these things? They're uncomfortable. They're horrible. Uh, and the big reason that I think is really helpful to look at is when we have this low level stress, we're always thinking about work. We've always got something happening. We feel like it's just slowly breaking us down. And when we start to create these high level stresses, like a breathing technique, like a cold shower, like that resistance training session, we create a discrepancy between our current stress level and actually a higher stress level, which feels counterintuitive, but it starts to create a whole new level of resilience around how you tolerate stress on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that's really, really important in this field where things start to become, you know, you're constantly feeling like stress is getting on top of you. You start to get that to the point where you're worrying about burnout being, you know, at the end of the week. And when we start to look at rather than just trying to de-stress the whole time, but start to look at tactically adding in these small bouts of small stress, we can actually become a lot more uh, resilient, a lot more on top of what that day has to offer. And I think that's a really, really important space to look at. Do you, in, in addition to trying to trying to increase resiliency, do you look at how to build in sort of recovery? I mean, similar to exercise where you stress the body and then you recover, I think the same is true with, you know, our, our, our mental and, and emotional systems. How do you approach yeah. that? Yeah. So a big part of that is, uh, you know, if you go from zero workouts to five workouts overnight, then clearly there's, there's a recovery gap there. <laughs> so I think it starts from the space of building things up slowly with finding that 10 minutes exercise and really working out from there anyway. And um, I had a client recently who was doing like two sessions a day. You know, there was a, there was a circuit class in the morning. There was a spin class at night. Um, she'd been on tons of different diets in the past. So she was basically, I think she'd got down to 1200 calories a day. And she was like, my body is putting on body fat. I don't understand how this is working, right? So it was the exact extreme of, I've gone through all the diets. I've dropped calories even more. And I've just pushed myself into this corner. And the biggest thing that we did with her is I removed all of her exercise, except for that 10 minute daily walk. And all I told her to do with nutrition is add more color. Right. Over the course of three months, she built her caloric intake up to about 2200. We weren't counting it, but once we reassessed how much she was eating, we started to see that it was a well, a well within the range of what she should be doing to fuel her day. She was living a really high stress job and she was simply tying that into the stress she she did inside of fitness which is really funny how often i see that you know you're, you're high stress in your day and now you get to do a high stress spin class just to top it off so you just have like 10 hours of stress so taking the time <laughs> to look at that de-stressing first if you can't walk and breathe in the morning what else are we going to add in that's going to be of any benefit right so the 10 minute daily walk count counting colors not calories building that up as a foundation your body's now working with you. Fantastic. Now we add in one or two weight sessions. How does your body feel on that, 
right? And you can notice that it's incremental one, but I'm asking how do you feel on that process? And I think for us, we take quite a unique approach where we're not just looking at um, the blood work. We certainly go through all that. We start to take a bit more of a picture of this is what your doctor told you was fine, fine, fine. But this is actually the adjustments you can make from nutritional and environmental adjustment to make sure you're actually getting your body back to optimal. And then we start to look at that through a feeling lens of if we go through some, some key symptom lists of uh, cortisol, thyroid function, hormones, what are the things that may be being presented there and how do we approach that also? So it, as you said, becomes a combination of all of these things. Uh, and by no means is this me being the, the brains behind all of this. We bring in a team of the clinical nutritionists, the mindset coaches, all of this stuff in one place to make sure they're really getting a collective space of all of the things coming together and integrating to get your body back rather than just pushing the exercise lever more, which is unfortunately from a business standpoint, we certainly notice the effort creates results. So we go straight to the PT and we haven't addressed any of this stuff. Yeah, well, you know, I think for, for most of us who are building businesses, the natural move is, Hey, I can do this. Yeah. And you know, don't, don't tell me I can't by the way. And I'm, and I'm going to go do it. So once somebody, you know, I see this in actually in all of my non-business dealings with entrepreneurs, mm. you can't tell them what to do, but yeah. once they decide to do it, they're going and you better not get in their way. Um, and so I think exercise falls into that. I know, I know it has for me in the past as well. So I would love it if you could share just a, a really quick success story, uh, just to illustrate, obviously we can't share names or anything like that, but just to illustrate the kind of, of transformation that can happen because, you know, for folks listening to this, who like, you know, who you are, you know, you're, you're listening to us in the car or you've got your AirPods in and we're, we're, we're in your head right now. And you know, you need to address this. And the reason that we're doing this, we're having this conversation today is for you specifically, you know, you need to address this. And I want you to see that there is a possibility to, to transform it. So walk us through what maybe that's looked like, like for, for one of the business owners you've worked with. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for us, uh, coming in with someone who has uh, got a lot on, on his plate, I think one of the biggest things we've, we emphasize is all of the stuff we go through today. But we walk through a four-phase approach. The first one is a reset. Let's start to look at simplifying all the things you need to focus on. And I had a, a call with someone just the other day, and he brought to his second call this big box of supplements. And he was like, cool, what do I need to take? And I say, cool, put that one down and let's talk <laughs> about food first and just simplify what you focus on. And I think we're living in a space where there's so much information, we don't know what to focus on and what's truly important. And I think stripping that back to basics of what's going to fit you back in your day and what are the things that make you feel good first and building from there, just allow us to make those small, subtle changes in, in the nutritional space, usually first, so that it doesn't need to take a long time it doesn't, you don't need to be a cook and it's really nice and simple to just, you know, shift what you're having for lunch. So you've got that prepared every, every day, whatever that might be. Once we've built that platform, we've got a bit of momentum, you're recovering, we can start to have a conversation around exercise, again, through that same lens. Once we have that focus, we dive into our repair portion, which is where we look at that blood work, we start to uncover what's happening a little bit deeper down, and we can start to make a bit more of a custom plan built on top of what's already happening from a behavioral space. And I think it's really important doing it in that order, rather than just looking at the numbers and being like, this is what you need to do, number two, <laughs> right? Moving into phase three, this is where we start to really address the, the, the gut directly, so our restore portion. 
And I think this is really important. A lot of people ask, why do you wait till phase three? As we mentioned before, you've got to strip out the things that are really causing either the stress or that inflammation base first before you can truly address the gut directly. If we can remove the things that are bombarding that gut lining the entire time, now we're in a space where we can rebuild that gut, build back a nice diversity of the bacteria so it's working on your side. And then the big goal here with our last phase reinforce is making sure this is easy to maintain long-term, right? I think many people go into a health kick for four to six weeks. They might drop a bit of body fat and then they put it all back on as soon as things get, uh, you know, a kid's got sick or there's a work project or something comes up where it just gets pushed to the side yet again. And I think that over time starts to just remove a level of confidence of can I actually do this long term? So we do this over a minimum of a four month period, taking the time to really anchor these steps, make sure they stick. And more importantly, let's find out what's truly on your circle long term. What are your non-negotiables so that no matter what happens, whether you're on a holiday, whether you're not, the important part is you're looking forward to this because you'll get the most out of your holiday too. Yeah. Okay. That That's a great, that paints the whole picture. So I know you're in Australia. You work with people all over the world. Is that correct? We got people in the audience from Europe, US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, yeah, yeah. everywhere else. So yeah. So we, I'm actually based in, in New Zealand. I was going to correct you. At the oh, start. I'm sorry. No, I'm we, sorry. We, we, yeah. We get pushed together all the time. Uh, we <laughs> no. We we tend to work with uh, New Zealand, Australia, and US mostly. UK from a time zone standpoint is a little bit tricky, but we've certainly got some stuff we can we can do if you if we can help you. Um, US tends to work great just because it, we fit in nicely at right at the end of their day. So as they're finishing up work, we can dive into their health space, and that usually ties in nicely. So if it's something you want to dive in a little bit more, go through that approach. A big part of this, as you know, is just one that that personal those personal tweaks to what's truly relevant to me right now that I can actually fit in my day. And the other part that we all know is important is just that accountability of how can we make sure that we do this more often and make sure we continue to do what we said we do for us and how that shows up in our business. And where we see that coming through is people start to either uh, build relationships or even break relationships that have been uh, sabotaging them for years. They move into new roles that have been thinking about for 15 years. And there's so many of these other integrations into their overall day-to-day life because they finally bought, built out this confidence and momentum in their own personal health. So I think there's a really, really important part of that. Um, I think exploring that and going through this a bit more, uh, if you just go to our website, themetaproject.co, uh, themetaproject.co is our, probably our main uh, point of contact. You can go through our five dials training, which is a really nice way for business owners to map out which areas do I need. If I rate myself on these five areas, which ones are really coming through low? And here's a couple of action steps to look at building that from there. Uh, or if you want to dive in, you're really enjoying this conversation and you want to talk to our team directly, you can also do that there. And uh, we can walk through what this game plan, plan might look like for you a little more personally. Yeah. And, and you, you said a, a critical word, confidence. Uh, I think yep. confidence is really the whole game for any entrepreneur. And as I began to make these changes, the first thing that I noticed is that I felt much more confident in every business situation. Yeah, And that's, that's huge. So um, look, you're doing fantastic work. Um, You guys have really thought this through. I, you know, we've had a couple of conversations now and it's clear that, that, you know, you take a, a real deep interest in the people that you work with. So for folks listening that, that, you know, you're at that point where you know that this came into your life today because you needed to hear the message, reach out to Ali and his team, uh, go to the metaproject.co. We'll link it up in the show notes and, uh, you know, and, and investigate it, you know, give yourself the opportunity to, uh, to improve. And uh, Ali, thanks so much for being here. This has been awesome. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us and investing some time with me today. 
Uh, likewise, Dave, your questions were awesome and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of The Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, work with me and my team to get your book done and bring in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.